Well, I'll be honest, wasn't expecting to be recording a podcast today. Uh, had a whole heap of things to do, but frankly, after the couple of weeks we've had, I really didn't want to be in the studio. So I'm stood here in my shed. Uh, Sarah's doing some work on, uh, we're doing some of the consulting stuff and advising some clients. And so she said, oh, for goodness sake, get out of my way and go and do something that you enjoy. And so I thought, oh, I'll tell you what, oh, I'll nip down the shed. I'll nip down the shed at the end of the garden and record a podcast. So here I am, stood in the middle of all the tools. This this shed was actually meant to be. It was actually meant to be somewhere for me to hide away and create something that isn't photography. It's not my day job. And so it's packed full of woodworking tools. And here I am, stood in the middle with a microphone and a recorder recording a podcast instead. It just so happens that the acoustics in here are absolutely perfect for recording. And on top of that, Sarah says, do it down there because at least I know where you are. (laughs) That sounded like my childhood. I'm Paul, and this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. Well, hello, one and all. I hope you're well. I always say that at the beginning of a podcast, but it's genuine. I really do hope people are having a good season. For us, it's turning out to be an incredibly busy season once again. I said at the end of 2019 that I never wanted to have another season quite as busy as that one. And what fateful words they were, given 2020 and 2021, when in essence, None of us had quite a year like any other or two years like any other. And so here I am, grateful to be working at all, but we are once again running at full tilt. But it has been good fun. And one of the things about the podcast, when I started this podcast, it started out basically as a cathartic way for me to talk about life as a photographer, almost like self-counselling. It's gone on to be many things uh, and has all sorts of connections and all sorts of listeners all around the world. And to each and every one of you, thank you for taking the time and the trouble to press play and then obviously not press stop (laughs) or delete. Uh, It really is an absolute pleasure to stand, or as I am here today, talking about the life I lead, the life we lead, the life of photographers, the creativity, the business side of it, whatever comes to mind, really. Today, though, today is all about one particular side of the business, which is about memories. However, before I get onto that, of course, because it is a diary of a working pro, what have I been up to over the past few weeks? Because it has been, I think, a month since I recorded another episode. And whenever it goes quiet on the podcast, Uh, You always know it's because my diary is just full of clients, it's full of photography, it's full of production, uh, and sometimes that just uh, takes over. I've done a fair amount of judging over the past uh, few weeks. Uh, As I think I've said before, I'm chair of judges and qualifications for the British Institute of Professional Photographers, the BIPP, and that is throwing enough work my way to fill any gaps as if there were any. To be honest, I'm having to make gaps to fit that in. Uh, But it's such an honour to be overseeing that for a period of time, uh, trying to make sure that everything's consistent, trying to make sure that the standards are really, really high and that people feel that they can enter qualifications, they can enter uh, the uh, competitions, print or online or otherwise, and feel like they get something out of it. And I'm really... 
I've had a belief about that stuff for a very long time. And you know, if you listen to the podcast, I've talked about it often enough. It's not about the awards or the qualifications in themselves. It's about what it makes you go through to get there. So being chair of this little pocket of the industry, this little part, one of the component parts of the life of a lot of professional photographers is an absolute thrill for me because it means I get to spout about it. I get to talk about it. I get to wax lyrical about how important or how valuable, rather, things like qualifications and awards are. So uh, more on that in the coming weeks. Uh, We're right in the middle of regional judging at the moment. Uh, Five judges and myself uh, looking after images from all over the UK uh, and it's an absolute joy. Uh, obviously, on top of that, a lot of headshots. This year seems to be the year of headshot photography, uh, which is just as well because I love doing headshots. I meet all of these really interesting characters from the corporate types through musicians, actors, authors. Uh, a guy the other day came in. He came all the way in from East London. I drove over for some headshots. It's a long old way to come for some headshots, but he came for some headshots. He'd found me online uh, and decided he liked the look of what we do. And I'm very flattered by that, of course. Um, And he was a really, really interesting guy, uh, a real character. Uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping he'll let me share the pictures. Uh, But if he does, if he doesn't, well, just rest assured, it was a very funny shoot. And his shirt is still (laughs) hanging up on our on our rack in the studio because he brought a handful of them and left one behind. We we do get quite a lot of lost property in the studio. I have, a, I think at the moment we have one dress, uh, one shirt, and there are always hair scrunchies, hair brushes, hair products, makeup, you name it, it gets left in our studio. We have a little box of the stuff. Uh, portraits, lots of family portraits. It's been, again, very busy on that front. Uh, and it's, of course, doing portraits is slightly different to headshots. Headshots, it's all about the underlying purpose, which is to sell someone. If you come to us for for personal branding or you come to us for corporate headshots, we are representing whatever brand it is that you're trying to portray. I guess in a sense, when you come for family photography, there's a little bit of that. There's going to be, you know, a sense of you're trying to portray them as they would like to be portrayed, not necessarily how they appear. Uh, but mostly it's about the memories. I'll talk about that again in a moment. Uh, Hearing Dogs, we did shoot number 400. Yep, that's 400 uh, this week. Uh, I've been working down at the Hearing Dogs for about 11 years, about 11 and a half years, and it's just when you get to a landmark number, the, the number's arbitrary because there's, we've actually done more than 400 shoots because some of the shoots come in under different labels, different parts of the business or different parts of the charity, rather. So we don't always number them. But in terms of the shoots that we recognize as the regular, we shoot, we go in, we shoot a handful of dogs, we come home. Uh, I did 400 this week. That is a lot of photography. At some point in the future, uh, I will actually calculate exactly how many images that represents, not just how many images that the hearing dogs got, but how many times I pressed the button on their behalf, because I think it's a pretty big number. And we've supported the charity throughout that time and what an absolute joy it is. Uh, on a side note uh, on that front, uh, we are we have a training course on photographing dogs coming up. I think it's the 27th of June, 26th or 27th of June. Of course, I should have looked at my diary. Hang on. I, I've got my diary in front. Hang on. Let me do that. Let me do that. Let's not. I'll get it right. Honestly, I'm not a complete halfwit. 
27th of June, Monday, the 27th of June, as advertised on paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. We are doing a How to Photograph Dogs training day. Uh, we're going to spend some of the time in the studio and some of the time out and about. And at the moment, it looks like that is going to happen at the Hearing Dogs, which is just down the road from here. We'd originally thought we'd run it here at our studio. Uh, but if I can run it at the Hearing Dogs, it gives me access to a lot more land, a lot more space to go and play in. Um, and a studio, it's, it's not a studio, it's a portable studio uh, where we rig what we need. And I can talk through exactly how we have spent those 400 shoots photographing their dogs, uh, sometimes in a studio setting, sometimes out and about. And we'll do a little bit of the photoshopping uh, that you can use to clean up a studio image in particular. Things to look for, angles, uh, with luck, I'll have access to some of the trainers because we've arranged to do this one in conjunction with the hearing dogs. We're doing it on their location. Uh, you'll be around and about the site where I actually uh, developed many of the techniques and many of the ideas uh, that we have. So that's Monday the 27th of June. If you're interested in that, um, hop on to paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk and look for the training consulting section. Uh, or alternatively, just Google Paul Wilkinson Photography Workshops and you will find it. So that's Monday, the 27th of June. Uh, just a reminder, if you are BIPP, MPA, um, SWPP or a member of Mastering Portrait Photography, there's a 25% discount. Uh, the cost is £295, but you get a 25% discount uh, on a code. Uh, what else have I been doing? Well, uh, last week had a trip I've done a few times before, and it was meant to be an annual trip, is I've flown over to Ibiza for one of our clients to photograph the ongoing development of her garden and uh, her home, the family home. It's a beautiful space. It's up in the hills uh, in a very, very quiet part of Ibiza. I think when you talk about Ibiza, you think about partying, you think about clubs, you think about all of that life. But in fact, Ibiza is an incredibly beautiful, incredibly tranquil island. And so I was there photographing on behalf of a client a couple of days in baking heat. It was 27, 28 degrees. Now, I know, I know, I know. All right. I know there are people out there going, really, just 27? We have it 40 or whatever is your temperature of choice. But you have to remember two things. Firstly, I come from Britain. <laughs> which means I'm used to it being cooler. Secondly, I am particularly pale-skinned. Uh, even for a Brit, I don't think I've got particularly dark skin. And so uh, when I get out in that sunshine, factor 50 or otherwise, I forgot a baseball cap. I had to buy a baseball cap uh, at the airport because I was thinking, oh, do you know what? The top of my head's going to burn. And that's through my hair. <laughs> it's not, I haven't lost my hair. I just, I just burned through it. So uh, I had to get a baseball cap, factor 50, but spent a couple of days pottering around this tranquil landscape where the, the my client has shaped it and caressed it and brought this, what was an old farm, a very dry, derelict farm. She's brought the whole location to life. It's full of planting and flowers and the sounds of the country. Uh, she's got a couple of donkeys that she's rescued and have a huge, great area. It's just lovely and an absolute, I mean, it's, it, it's so unusual for me to do that kind of photography. That's not my norm. But sometimes you get gigs that are not necessarily because of what you do, but because of who you are. And this is one of those gigs where really I'm brought in because I can be trusted. We never share the pictures. I talk about it in very abstract terms, but I never name the client. 
These are the things sometimes that win you work. And what a joy it was. For the first day and a half, it's just really me, a couple of housekeepers and the chef. So it's beautiful food. It's a really quiet setting. I think the only pain is having to fly over and fly back again because just at the moment. So I went on Sunday morning, 4 a.m. Sunday morning. I left here. I left the house at about three quarter to three, 2.45 a.m., because the airline had emailed me to say, make sure you're there really early. I've got a quarter to eight flight, which means I've got to be there at quarter to five. So, I've okay, you know, it's not ideal. Uh, finished all the work I had to finish, hopped in the car about quarter to three, headed over. Well, at 4 a.m., I'm in a traffic queue on the M11. At about 10 past four, I'm in another traffic queue getting into the car parks at the airport, Stansted Airport up near Cambridge. <laughs> Funnily enough, it's called London Stansted. Well, I tell you what, it's a very long way from London. I don't know how they get away with that. It's not. It's Stansted, Cambridge. Anyway, uh, parked up fine. We've pre-booked everything. Wandered through to the, uh, the the departures area and it is heaving. And I don't just mean it's a little bit busy. I mean, there are airport staff shouting at each other because each of their respective queues is crossing another. So nobody knows which queue is which. Nobody knows what they're queuing for. The most common question I heard while I was there was, is this the queue for X? You name it. Um, But eventually I got through there, chatted to loads of, you know, I'm like, I chatted away, (laughs) slightly bleary eyed. Uh, I spoke to a really lovely Italian lady whose name I do not know. And she was heading home for the first time in uh, two years uh, and was really excited. You know the kind of conversations you have. Uh, got through to departures, went to get a coffee. The coffee, the queue for the coffee took me so long that by the time we got on the flight, I'd only drunk half of it. That's how busy Stansted Airport was. But I had a lovely flight over. Uh, a little bit of a shout out to Michelle who I ended up sitting next to on the uh, aircraft. And we did that, you know, very brief, really, you know, you do, it's just a politeness thing, right? Hello, what are you doing? What do you do? And both of us said, oh, we're photographers. And so actually I spent the whole of the flight chatting about photography, chatting about life. It was her 50th birthday this year. Happy birthday. Uh, and she said, she laughed. She said, I've, I've told my husband, she said, I'm going to spend most of the year celebrating my birthday. And she had literally got a calendar full of interesting things for her to do, like a bucket list of things. And this particular trip was four days in Ibiza with three of her friends. Um, I spent some time, I, I did, I spent some time in the passport queue with those friends. And all I can say is I really hope they survived it because I guess it was going to be reasonably lively. It's rare for you to spend the entire queue trying to get to the passport control, laughing. But laughing we were. It was very funny. So a shout to Michelle and the guys down at uh, Photography Assignments. Had to drag the name out of my head there. Uh, Photography Assignments. Uh, You can Google those guys. They do all sorts of things. Uh, Lots of product stuff. We've got a big studio, lots of e-coms and those kinds of things. Uh, But she was, it was good company and it made for a nice flight. And then on the way back, similarly, an absolutely massive queue at the airport. But luckily this time, because it was a Tuesday midday flight, very empty. And I pretty much sat on my own in the middle of the plane uh, and went to sleep because I was exhausted and slightly sunburnt and bitten to shreds. I tell you what, the Ibiza mosquitoes loved me. It didn't matter what I did, what creams I put on, what what things I tried to do, mitigating tactics. Nope, 
my ankles were shredded, my arms were shredded, the back of my neck was shredded. Uh, I got bitten an awful lot. But a wonderful thing to do, very different. And the photographs of the gardens, uh, I well, I think they're all right. <laughs> what can I tell you? Uh, I like it better when I've got, I'm, I, really, I say I like it better, that's not true. I'm much more at home when I'm photographing a face. Uh, but I really enjoyed the challenge and uh, I think the pictures have lived up to it. Uh, certainly her garden looks resplendent in each and every one of them. So what did I want to talk to more or less in this podcast? Really, it was about memories. It was about what we do as photographers. So I think a few of you will have heard me talk about the training courses we ran. We've run two so far. Uh, we've been running one a month uh, over the past couple of months. Really, it's the first time we've we've made this transition into running uh, workshops in this format. We've done masterclasses where it's one to one. You book a session, or you just ask us what dates you know you can come, and we dedicate a day to working with you alongside you. Um, we do consulting, myself and Sarah helping businesses. Obviously, I've been at the conventions and I've done masterclasses and super classes out there doing whether it's uh, a street walk, a photo walk, whether it's on stage. All of these things are fairly normal for us. But we've never really set aside time where we drop a date in the diary and say, right, six of you, that's all it's going to be, six of you, here's the date, here's what we're going to do, go. It's a really unusual thing for us. And so some of this has been a little bit of an experiment. I always knew that we'd be able to do it, but trying to tune the format when you're doing a masterclass, when you're doing, a, sorry, a, you know, like a, a well, a masterclass one-to-one, it's very straightforward because we simply sit with that person and say, "What? Well, how can we help? But when you're doing six, you kind of have to have some structure to it. You have to have an idea what you're doing. We do still ask. That's why we keep the number down to six. We do still ask if there are specific points that um, we should touch on. But it's still a format that we're getting our heads around. And so the feedback from the first two, uh, the first one was studio lighting. The second one was available lighting, which we did a couple of weeks ago. Loved, loved doing this because it's basically take a camera, take a person and take some pictures. No reflectors, no tricks, no off camera flash. You know, you've got all you've got is you, your client and your wits. And that's my favorite way to photograph. Why? Well, mostly because that's how I learned. Some of my, you know, the great role models I had out there, some of the guys that had set the pace uh, in the 60s and the 70s, uh, in particular David Bailey, was pretty well known for a lot of his work, was very free-flowing, 35 millimeter, not an awful lot. I mean, he obviously went on to do much uh, more complicated stuff, but his early work, very straightforward. Um, and I really like that. I really appreciate that simplicity to it and I love the freedom that it gives me it means I can just plow in read the light work with my client I can have a conversation with my client I'm not worrying about assistance or tuning additional lights it really is about you and the moment and I've always enjoyed that um, and so that and so that course was uh, just an absolute pleasure um, some of the guys from the first course booked to come on to the second which is always uh, really flattering and it's also a sign that what you're doing is useful and valuable because you're still charging for this I might love it but it's still a paid you know people are giving up their money to come and learn um, and it's a sign that it must be worth something if they're willing to then do it again anyway 
Uh, one of the guys who came on the very first course flew over from Georgia with his wife. So to Bob and Sylvia, who came over, thank you. Uh, they were the nicest company. We had a lovely time. Uh, went for a drink in Oxford. Um, and they were an absolute delight to have around. And the other day, uh, I'd sent a couple of pictures. I took a couple of pictures of Bob and of Sylvia. Oh, sorry, Bob and of Bob and Sylvia and sent them over. Because uh, as part of the lighting, I showed people how to light. Uh, although we always use models, uh, just we always use models so that we know we've got someone there who we can photograph. But I quite like it when I can get one of the delegates in front of the camera because it has a rawness to it. It has a it's much more real if you see what I mean. So Bob and Sylvia very kindly stepped in front, and I got this email back, uh, and. Very positive and very lovely. But they, it, he sends this email. I'm going to kind of paraphrase and sort of verbatim read it. Uh, so here goes. Uh, I spent a good part of this morning rummaging through packing boxes, many not opened over some six home moves, to find our wedding album. As two young people just starting out, we had no money for a big wedding or a professional photographer. Sylvia was a teacher and a fellow teacher with an interest in photography took the pictures. As we turned the pages, we reconnected with old friends and the true wonder of that day. We had few expectations for the future and never would have anticipated the blessed life that was to come. Our album allows the 2022 us to look back on those love-struck youths and smile. That is what your wedding photography is doing. Nice as they are, it won't be the beautiful graphic studio albums or the expert, pro expert post-processing that will mean the most to your clients. It will be that connection with one's earlier self. What a wonderful gift to be able to give. So there it is. That's a paragraph from one of the people that came on one of the courses. And I just thought what a wonderful analysis or summing up of what we do as photographers in the social, in the social sector. So that part of photography essentially where the client is it's about memories, where the client is in front of the camera, whether you're doing portraits, family portraits, or whether you're doing weddings, that part of this industry, you're creating memories. You're creating a flashback for the future. Now, obviously, obviously, as a Graphy Studio ambassador, I'm going to tell you, you should be getting them into Graphy Studio albums. But it's not about that. The Graphy Studio album is, I mean, they are stunning and they will last you the whole of your life. And that is important because it's the memories that are in there that are priceless. It's those moments looking back. Yesterday, I photographed a wedding. It was, a, it was not a huge wedding, but a long day, uh, at least for the sector that I work in. I know some of my Asian photographer friends will tell you that a 12 or 13 hour wedding is is nothing. Yeah, they will do. I, I mean, I, I was speaking to one photographer this week and his weddings are broadly speaking, 14 hours and 17 hours. Now those are longer weddings, but it was still, you know, 12, 13 hours of a day. And the client was so excited to have me there. I think in some ways I was inspired by their energy and their desire to have these memories for their future and for their children's future. So that when they looked back, they had something to see where they could talk about the people they knew, the people they'd met, uh, the joy of the day, the moments, the atmosphere. And yeah, we did some quite funky stuff. We did some fashiony stuff because it was at the Crazy Bear, which is this really funky hotel and restaurant down the road. 
But that's not the purpose of 99% of wedding photography. 99% of wedding photography is, as Bob described, it's uh, that connection with one's earlier self, to use his own words. The ability to look back and have your memory jogged with images of these people that you loved so much that you invited them to that moment in your life. And 50 years on for Bob and Sylvia, that's how they see their wedding photography. And what a beautiful thing that is. What we sell is the ability to look back. And I think that is wonderful. What a happy note. Uh, I hope Bob and Sylvia don't mind me sharing that one paragraph. I haven't used their last names for anonymity, uh, but I still thought it was just such a nice, such a nice summing up of what we do as portrait and wedding photographers that uh, I just wanted to to share it. So thank you. Thank you, not just for that paragraph, guys, but thank you for coming over and enriching our life here in our studio. Just as everybody does when they come to the studio, they bring something. And as photographers, I think we fuel off that. I think there's something about the relationship we create, even if it's only for a couple of hours for a portrait shoot. There's something about the energy that we get that allows us to keep doing what we do. Because let's face it, it's the best job in the world, but it's not an easy job. It's seven days a week. It's 360-something days of the year. The money is variable. When you have a pandemic, it's very, very tough. Um, there are so many little facets to it that make it a really tough, tough industry. But it's also the most rewarding industry I've ever had the privilege to work in. And on that happy note, I'm going to say goodbye. Uh, we're going to walk the dog and then we are going to see the killers. Yes, we are off to see the killers. Uh, I'm hoping this time. I saw the killers a few years ago with Sarah. Sarah's a big fan of the killers. I saw them in Hyde Park in the middle of London and frankly, a little disappointed. Not with the band, with the sound system. Because Hyde Park is nestled right in amongst a lot of very rich people's houses and I think there must be some kind of restriction on the volume they can turn it up to. Now, if you're going to see a rock band, I think you need to see and feel a rock band. So I'm really hopeful that the gig uh, this afternoon, this evening, in the Emirates Stadium, which is Arsenal Football Club Stadium, is going to be super loud, super vibrant, super exciting. Uh, it's a gig that we've rescheduled, or going. It's a, a concert that we've rescheduled, or they've rescheduled. We were supposed to be going to it two years ago, three years, two years ago, uh, and so we've had to wait and wait and wait as they keep moving the dates. Uh, but what a joy! Tonight's the night, so we're going to walk the dog. Uh, I'm going to stick some warm clothing on. And then we're going to head into London with some really dear friends and we're going to have the night of our lives. Uh, I will let you know how that goes. But until next time, until next time, whatever else, be kind to yourselves. Take care, guys. (laughs) 